Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Hey, each week when we gather, we open up God's Word, so I want you to grab a Bible. If you have one available, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 14. That is where we will be talking this morning, and so my hope is that you have either an actual physical Bible with you, or perhaps you want to use a phone or a tablet or a computer, and so I want to read with you this morning's passage from Romans chapter 14, and so my hope is that you have time to look it up. It'll also be on the screen as I'm reading, and you can follow along with me. So here we go, Romans chapter 14, the person who is writing is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to some friends in Rome, and here's what he says. He says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one with contempt, the one who does not, uh, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master's servant stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. It's a fascinating portion of scripture that we dive into today. We kind of drop into this moment in the lectionary readings that we come across each week. This just happens to be the New Testament reading. And so much of the New Testament is written by Paul. But there's one key fact that you need to know about this particular letter. Probably one of Paul's most famous. But this is actually a letter to some friends of his and to a church that has been created that he didn't have anything to do with. Most of the time when he writes his letters, you think about when he writes to his friends in Philippi, which is the letter to the Philippians, or his letters to the people in Corinth, which becomes 1st and 2nd Corinthians, or Ephesus, which becomes Ephesians and Thessalonians, right? All these things. Those are churches and places that he had a direct hand in making sure that those churches got off the ground. So he knew them very intimately. But unlike those, this letter that he's writing to Rome he is trying to stake his claim and 
kind of make his case why they should even listen to him as an apostle. There are other people out there, and probably word on the street is that Paul's doing some good things, even though way back in his past he was doing some terrible things. But he's making a case like, hey, believe me, because I'm so convinced that the good news of Jesus Christ and this faith that we have in Jesus compels us to live a certain way. And he's dipping the toe in the water on some pretty big issues in this chapter alone. But he's not actually naming people by their category, right? He talks about, hey, those who eat meat and those who eat vegetables or those who uh, say this day is holy and those who say every day is holy, right? There's, there's the difference. There's the conversation. It's, it's much like the conversations that you and I have all the time. It's, it's like when you are going to figure out that pizza order that you're going to have, like, do you put meat on it or don't you? But it's a little bit more than that because in those days, people really had issues with meat eaters and non-meat eaters, and it's not just a vegetarian thing. It wasn't like they were making this huge call for being vegans or anything like that. But for, for Paul's day, the issue at hand was, was the meat that you're eating sacrificed to idols, or was it even prepared in a kosher fashion? which really is the day for the people there in Rome because there are Jewish Christians in Rome and then there are Gentile Christians in Rome. And the difference between the two literally could have been, do you eat meat or don't you eat meat? And for so many of the Jews, they're like, I'm not sure I'm going to eat the meat that's found in this city because I wasn't able to find the kosher butcher to make it happen. Or the people who are like, well, this day is holy. And everyone else is like, well, aren't all the days holy? And Paul's compelling argument in this moment is saying would you consider that actually both people have something to say because both people are welcome to the table Paul's imagery so often is that this welcoming nature of God actually welcomes the people that actually might think differently on the other side of the issue so for in his day it's it's people who eat meat or people who eat vegetables or people who worship on this day or people who worship on that day but it's interesting and I and I I had a few extra minutes this week in my week, and I, and I did some extra research into the original language, and some of you are like, oh, great, he's going into that Greek word study yet again, and I know, but then there are some of you who are like, finally, he's making um, use of his week, and so here we go, into the original Greek, and, and I kind of wrote it down, and I want to read it for you yet again, but as we begin this passage in chapter 14, here's really what is said. Except those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters, one person's faith allows them to wear a face mask, but another person whose faith is weak says they don't have to. Did you get what I just said? Because it's one thing to read scripture and say, like, this is not my issue. Eating vegetables versus meat, that's not the thing that's really hanging me up right now. But the question for every single one of us when we come in contact with God's scripture is, how do I not read myself into the story, but how do I make sense of the world that I live in right now? Because the issue and the dispute that we have today often is about things that we are ready to go to blows about. We are ready to hurt people over the things that we get so frustrated about. And I know I did a little tongue-in-cheek Bible exercise there. And no, I didn't do Greek word study. And no, it doesn't say face mask or no face mask. But that's the issue of the day. 
So as we read and survey the landscape of what Paul was writing to when he writes to his friends in Rome, and you consider, oh, is it about meat eaters or vegetable eaters, right, carnivores or omnivores, or is it about people who like this day or that day, like those aren't my issues. But my issue in 2020, and I hope this is probably where we find common ground, is that we're dealing with some issues this year that want to pit us against each other. And we want to have conversations where we get so mad. And here's the deal. I don't talk to you as one who is kind of away from the issue. I talk to you as one who who deals with it myself. Because I have opinions on, on these things. And there are moments for me where I actually think that I'm right. And some of you are like, I've talked to you, Brenton. I don't think you're right. And I get that. I understand that. But there's these moments for every single one of us when we come across God's word and how he is challenging us. The question for us is, what do I do with what God says here through his servant, Paul, who's writing to some people in Rome? So you can write it off and be like, hey, we don't live in Rome. We don't live in the first century. Uh, Whatever he said back then doesn't have anything to do with what we're dealing with today. But here's the thing. It actually does. Because the things that you and I are dealing with, right, and I know, like, like, if I can just take the surface level one of, like, hey, face mask or no face mask. My bet is, regardless of where you find yourself on either side of that, you have vilified the other side. Does that make sense? Regardless of, like, hey, if you're pro-face masks, you're kind of judging the people who walk around, like, the moment they get out of the store, they rip it off. You're like, you're not even helping the issue. Those of you who don't like the face masks, have vilified the people who, who are wearing them. And you have said things like, oh, they are just so weak or so stupid, so dumb. And so we take this surface-level conversation of face masks, but it actually goes deeper than that, right? Because what Paul is a, a kind of addressing is the heart issue. When I speak categorically about someone, I have this tendency to put them in a box or put them on the shelf. And if I can deal with them that way, then I no longer see them as someone who is welcomed by God. So it's not necessarily a face mask or a no face mask issue. Then it goes deeper than that. Then it becomes, in this season, it becomes, oh, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican, right? And regardless of where you find yourself on that divide, you have vilified the other side. So if you are like, oh, man, it's got to be. We gotta, we gotta vote Democrat, then you hate the other side. And if you have said, there's the only hope if I vote Republican, then you have vilified the other side. And you no longer are able to see that person as God's child. See, the phrase God's child is one that I use a lot here at Refuge. It has been a part of our vernacular since we began a few years ago. Because it actually has changed my own life and my understanding. I have, I have told this story many times that the moment I became a dad and figured out what that really meant, I really understood what it was like to actually be in relationship with God even deeper. Because my love for my kids, if I get anything right, and I don't always get it right, but I understand what it means to love someone unconditionally. And so this concept of being children of God has been life-changing for me. And I have said it, I have prayed it, I have mentioned it in moments where we have gathered as a church because if I can walk with the confidence of knowing that I am God's son, 
and you could be God's son or God's daughter, then that gives us a confidence to approach the day that we have. But here's the thing when we come across this Romans chapter 14 bit, is that when I speak categorically about someone that I disagree with, I put them and I lump them into a category that doesn't allow me to see them as God's child. And that is where Paul is cutting us with a knife into our souls and our hearts and inviting us to consider differently how do we see that person. And so this is a season where, hey, you have either lumped someone into the crazies who believe all the coronavirus stuff or you've lumped them into the people that say, oh, they don't even care. Or it's, oh, you're, you're a Democrat? Oh, oh hold on a second, you're, you're a Republican? We take a step back and we consider these conversations that we have with people, the anger that we go into that. If I could just see a show of hands, which I know is, a, is an interesting question because I can't see your hands, but I know the reality out there. How many of you have seen something online that has really frustrated you? You have seen someone's post, and you read their words, and you instantly wrote them off. And again, I say that not as someone who has completely risen above the issue, but as as someone who has fallen victim into the tendency and the temptation that our world presents. Because the idea is that if I can just lump you into the side categories, I don't have to deal with you. Regardless of the side that you're on, on whatever it is. But Paul is compelling us yet again to consider when you talk to someone, do not invite them into conversation so that you can quarrel with them. That is verse one in a nutshell. And how many of us, me included, have invited the conversation because I want to win. I want to prove that person wrong. I want to have the last word. I want to have the mic drop moment. I want to be right. The problem with that is that is not the approach of the kingdom. That is actually probably the thing that has convicted me the most in the past few weeks, even in my own life is that is my approach just falling victim to what's happening around me or is my approach the approach of the kingdom? Because if my approach is the kingdom, then I see people differently. And that talk about being children of God is not just for me. It's actually for my eyes to see the people around me. And so no longer is it just do I wake up in the morning as God's child and have that confidence, which I know that he wants to give me, But it's also, am I waking up to a world that I have the ability to see every single person around me as God's child? Do we fully get that? Because all the things that have divided us over the past many months are things that we would love to pit the other side as the evil one. And it isn't interesting that when Paul talks to his friends in Rome, he's drawing them back to the table saying, hey, everybody is welcomed question is, is what do I do with that? Do I believe that to be true or do I only believe with the people who like and believe the things that I like? For instance, if we talk about really base level things, we talk about ice cream flavors, right? I went to an ice cream shop this week with my kids. Rachel was out of town and so I had the night free. So what did we do? We ordered pizza and we went to an ice cream shop. That's what I did, because I didn't want to do dishes, all right? 
So we went to this ice cream shop, and we were standing in line to choose the flavors. And every single person in that ice cream shop has the ability to say, well, this flavor is the best one. And even the person in front of me asked me that question, and the person behind me overheard me, and she asked me to go into that further, why I felt that that, that flavor was better. And we're not talking about vanilla. We're talking about black raspberry. It was amazing. Like, I could be an evangelist for black raspberry. It's so good. But you could say, well, you're wrong. This is one of those issues, it doesn't really matter, right? But isn't it interesting that I can vilify the person who loves Rocky Road or marshmallow vanilla or mint chip because black raspberry is where it's at. But how much of our lives do we pit those people against us and away from us and we do nothing with them and we hate them and we bring that evil into the conversation because they believe and they think differently than we do? I want my eyes to change this week. That is what this scripture passage has done for me. Do I see the people around me as children of God and not first and foremost who they're going to vote for? Can I get an amen on that one? Because I feel like that's the issue. We are told we're supposed to believe that the other side is evil. And I'm not even telling you which side we're talking about. But if I fall victim to that language and that communication style, then I will just add to the drama, add to the evil, add to the issues of our day. If I can't see the other side as actually people and children of God, then I have displaced them and put them far away from God. Because the temptation is, if I can put you in that category, then not only is it I that don't like you, then God doesn't like you either. But that's not true because I don't get to talk on behalf of him like that. I don't get to proclaim that about God's kids. Because if we're, we're going to get anything true, we're going to get this idea that God has invited us into this understanding that as his creation, he has already labeled us as good. Doesn't mean we always act good. Doesn't mean we always say good things. But it means that we have this inherent value that means something. And so no longer it is, is it I get to be that category or I get to push you into that category because I don't like you. I don't like the, the tone that you take. And I, I actually think ill of you. That's what society would want me to believe. And we find good company with that first century Rome context and church that, that Paul is writing to. Because he wants to proclaim to them this idea that if we get anything right, may we get right this understanding that the people that God has put around us are actually children of God as well. Whether they think like us, act like us, believe like us, they are God's children. And that changes my entire approach. It changes the way that I go into conversation. Because no longer am I in it to like convince you otherwise and like label you and win the argument and get the last word and drop the mic. I'm actually in it to welcome you to the table, bring you into this conversation that's, that's life-giving, that's not just I'm right and you're wrong. So what does this look like in a very practical way? And I want to kind of maybe, perhaps, give you some of my issues. And the challenge that we're moving into into the next few weeks, like we're less than two months from uh, an election, and people would say that it's very divisive. Everyone says this about every election. Like, this is the one that really matters. 
right? Like they said that in 2016, 2012, 2008, um, all, all before that. But it seems like right now that the tone is, is pretty divisive. And the temptation is to believe the lie that says that my person's right, the other person's wrong. What I believe about politics is right. What the other person believes about politics is obviously evil. And if we fall victim to that, then we just fall into the enemy's schemes for this world. But Paul is inviting us to a better way and a different way. And here's my challenge for every single one of us is this. I would say there's probably a few of us that haven't made our decision on who we're going to vote for. And I want to be careful here. I'm, I'm kind of dancing in, in sacred territory for some of us. And you're like, shoot, Brenton, are you about to tell us who we're supposed to vote for? Not one bit. But my guess is, if I were to press you today, you probably know who you would vote for. And if we believe the lies of the enemy, it means that the other side is evil. It means that the other side of the ticket, regardless if they're blue or red, are evil. And so we put them in categories because that's what the world tells us we're supposed to do. So my challenge to you as a community, and I might be the only one here, and if this is only for me, it's going to be life-shaping for my soul. Because I want to make sure that I see the other side as children of God too. Does that make sense? Does that challenge come out? Because here's the deal. Even though I may have thought about who I'm going to vote for, I want to make sure that I also consider the other side as children of God, as a child of God. And I want to pray. This is the challenge. We're not even going to pray for a specific candidate because that's how neutral church needs to be. But our neutrality is not in a place of we're weak and weak-minded and we have nothing to believe on this issue. Our neutrality is actually because the kingdom that we ascribe to is bigger than just a Republican or a Democrat issue. Does that make sense? And so even though you and I may have made up our mind on who we're going to vote for on November 3rd, my challenge to you is from now until November 3rd, pray for the other person. Pray for the other side. Because if I pray for the other side then I actually begin to see them as children of God. And you cannot, and I, this is the challenge, we cannot pray for the other side to lose, right? Like that's where you're like, I get it, Brent. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for the other side to lose. No, 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 that's not the issue. The issue is, will I pray that I can see the other person, the other side, as a child of God? Because that's the issue at bay for Rome that day when Paul wrote. Yeah, yeah, you might be meat eaters. You might be vegetarians you might be republicans you might be democrats you might be this or that but in, unless i see the people around me as children of god i've missed the entire thing that god is welcoming me into and the same is true for you so from now until november 3rd the call that i'm going to place out for you is this will you pray for the other side and again not in a in a destructive manner not in a place of like i I hope that that, right, like you fill in the blank, whatever that statement's going to be, but that you would pray to see the other side as children of God because that will change everything. And we will finally get a glimpse of what it looks like to be kingdom people in a world that is dividing us day and night. And we, as followers of the king, 
get to bring unity and compassion and justice and righteousness. These words that mean something, that have, that have a depth about them that will change everything if we believe it to be true. So I don't want to just fall victim to this idea that if I choose this side, the other side's wrong. I want to again call us into this idea of kingdom living that's bigger than the issues that we're facing today because there will be issues in the future that we face. The question is, is how do I face them? Do I face them with a kingdom mindset or do I face them with selfish hate in my heart for the other side? And I want you to join me in prayer from now until the election and may I even be so bold to say beyond that because the world that we're living in right now is very fractured and divided. It doesn't really take a rocket scientist to figure this one out. People, people know. Go on Facebook if you want a really warm time right now. Like Just like, mm, can't wait to feel the warm and fuzzies. But may we, the words that we use, may the eyes that we have see people as children of God, welcomed by the king, just as Paul told his friends in Rome about. Hey, let's pray. God, your word is convicting and challenging all the time. And I pray that as a community that finds itself in the city of Orange, in Orange County, in California, in the United States, that regardless of where we, we find our allegiance, we know full well that we are your people, we are your sons and your daughters, and when we awake in the morning, we have confidence to face whatever it is before us, the highs and the lows. But this also compels us to live with eyes that see the people around us as children of God and not to vilify and to live with hate and to invite people in for the purpose of quarreling. That is not our moniker as a people of you, people of the king, people of God. And yet again, we are being called into a season where we, we can bring words of peace and love and righteousness and justice. And may that be the tone of these next many weeks and months where the, the world around us needs healing, may we bring it because we know you. We know the one who brings the healing. We know the one who's got the provision to fix things. And we appeal to you to allow us to be your hands and your feet in this community and beyond. And may we see the people around us as your children. And that will change everything about how we proceed. These are, these are big challenges you put before us, God. And we want to rise to the occasion and we want to show the world a better way, a kingdom way. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.